It's time now for today's edition of Community Conversations. It's the interview program in which we dialogue with voices from the Omaha community. And here's your host for Community Conversations. Let's welcome Cammie Carlisle. Well, hi, Ryan. Happy Friday and happy St. Patrick's Day. You don't have any green on, Ryan. Sorry, I forgot. You're getting pinched when I am done. I painted my cat green. Does that count? Oh, that's my... um, I don't know about that. We'll talk about that later. But anyways, (laughs) happy St. Patrick's Day, and we're super happy that you all are joining us today because we have a very special guest in the house, and that would be Dr. Lisa Beth Buschelt, who happens to have a master's uh, and PhD in Irish studies, right? Amongst other things. Amongst other things, yes. Welcome, Dr. (laughs) B. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. You know, when I was preparing for this conversation, I, of course, Googled St. Pat's, and I thought, how off are we in America about this holiday? I was so stunned. But I'll let you explain that. Now, before we get into this, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and where you teach and all that good stuff? Absolutely. I was actually born and raised in Southern California. Ah. Um, my family is actually not Irish. Uh, oh. No. We, we have a little bit because okay. we're, you know, Euro mutts. But um, I'm not Irish. <laughs> I uh, got my Bachelor's of Arts, my BA in actually French oh. literature and culture oh, at San Francisco State. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I moved to Boston mm-hmm. where I got my MA and my PhD in Medieval British and Irish Studies cool. at Boston College. Nice. Go Eagles. That's cool. Yeah. So you're here, and I'm glad. So right now you're teaching up at UNO. I am, yes. I'm in the uh, English department at UNO, um, where I do not only English uh, early literature classes, but I also have a whole uh, stable of Irish lit classes, Uh ranging from surveys to I'm currently teaching uh, an upper-level course in Bram Stoker. Oh, what? Yeah, I need to go Irish back to writer. school. What? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's exciting. We'll talk about that off the air because I have lots of questions. Okay. But today we'll focus on Mr. Patrick. Yes. So in America, it's mm-hmm. always been kind of like, oh, I'm taking the day off and I'm wearing all my green and I'm going to go get drunk. So <laughs> where where did that notion come from? Tell us the story of St. Pat and mm-hmm. how it came to be. Well, here's the thing. Um, St. Patrick's Day um, didn't become an official feast day uh-huh. until the 1600s. Oh, okay. So it's been a feast day for a while, but not as long as many other saints mm-hmm. um, in that calendar. Um, it is a public holiday in the Republic of Ireland. So it's, everybody's off. Everybody's closed off. Closed down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's celebrated in both in religious and in secular ways. Okay. So um, today... In Ireland, many families still, uh, because it's a feast day, uh-huh. uh, will go to Mass sure. in the morning. They okay. start off St. Patrick's Day with Mass, and mm-hmm. then they'll have a family get-together and you know with food and, and all that. They will probably go to the parade, whatever parade is happening okay. uh, in their city. Dublin uh-huh. uh, is, of course, the largest in Ireland, the right. Dublin parade, and then Galway is probably a close second. Okay. Though you Cork folks out there would probably claim Cork is the second, but <laughs> I'll let Galway and Cork <laughs> fight that out. Okay. Um, and then it's, it's just, uh, it, it's more of a, I mean, yeah, there's, there's drinking and there's, there's celebrating and, and all that. And I mean, it's Ireland. So, you know, the pubs right. stay open now. They used to be closed. Ah, um, but, okay. Uh, shortly after 
uh, when was that? That was, I think, in the 70s. They decided to open the pubs up okay. on, on St. Patrick's Day. I see. And uh, so now it's, it's all – and it's not about corned beef and cabbage. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So, well, first of all, I guess I should ask, who is St. Patrick and why do we honor him? Well, okay, St. Patrick. What mm-hmm. we know about St. Patrick is actually not very much. Okay. Um, there are only two written sources, actually, mm. that, that tell us about his life. And they were both written by him. Um, the first is the what's called the Letter to Caroticus. Okay. And the second is what's called his Confessio. Oh. The, the Confession or, or, or Declaration of St. Patrick. Okay. So the letter to Caroticus um, is a very stern and at times very angry letter to a um, British warlord named Caroticus and his soldiers because they had enslaved and killed many of Patrick's recently converted um, Irish Uh folks. Okay. And um, so Patrick in this letter, first of all, takes Caroticus to task, calling him all sorts of terrible names. Sheesh. Um, and then he, uh, Patrick asks the British Christians to ostracize Caroticus and all his men mm. until they repent and release the slaves. I see. Um, so that's the first thing. Okay. The second thing, the Confessio, uh-huh. um, is sometimes called Patrick's autobiography. Mm. And okay. I, um, that's not – well, I'll handle that in a second. So in the Confessio – Mm-hmm. He um, tells us that he was born in Britain okay. um, to a fairly well-off family. The date is somewhere between A.D. 373 and 390, so 4th century. All right. This is Roman Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, he may have been named Maywin Suckett oh. or not. <laughs> I know that's an unfortunate last name. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> um <laughs> In his confessio, he says he was kidnapped at age 16 by Irish raiders, and then he was enslaved in Ireland, where he guarded sheep. So he's a shepherd. Oh. Isolated on a mountain for six years. He was kidnapped. He was kidnapped. Okay. Yeah. By... To become a sheep herder. Yes. Okay, got it. Following. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. In these six years of isolation as a shepherd, Mm -hmm. um, he says that God came to him and said, there's a ship waiting for you. You can you can escape. And so Patrick said, well, I guess if God says it's going to happen, okay, sure. Makes his way to the coast. Yes, there is a ship. And yes, he gets back to Britain. Oh, all right. So he's reunited with his family. Okay. But then in a couple of years after he's been home, he says that God comes to him again and says, you have to go evangelize the Irish because you know Irish now and they need help. So Patrick says, okay. He goes to France, actually, to study, to become a cleric. Okay. Now, there are some people who say that he studied in northern France All right. and was ordained there. Mm-hmm. There are others who say, no, no, no. He studied in northern France and then went down to essentially the French Riviera mm-hmm. um, to be ordained at a little tiny monastery on an island called Le Rain, Okay. which is just off the coast of Cannes, where they have the film festival now. Aha, uh-huh. Okay. Um, I like to think he went to that one because, you know, who wouldn't go to the Riviera if they right. had a chance? <laughs> um, once he's ordained with the blessing of the Pope, he heads back to Ireland. Wow. Okay. Jeez, that guy. Right? Yeah. He's, so he's a world traveler. Okay. Um, but here's why we're 
concerned about it, calling it an autobiography. Okay. Patrick wrote the Confessio mm-hmm. as a defense against some detractors back in Ireland when he was pretty, pretty high up in the, the hierarchy, the, the clerical hierarchy, mm-hmm. um, a friend of his, well, someone who con- he considered a friend and a, and a confessor, um, let slip a sin oh. of Patrick's. Uh-oh. And some people in the church decided, you know what, that sin means that you, you can't be bishop oh. and you probably couldn't have been ordained. And so we're taking you to task. Oh, and we don't know what the sin is. Oh, darn it. I know. Really? It was true. We don't know what the well, sin is. Well, it must have been a doozy. Well, you'd think, right? Yeah. Um, so he wrote the Confessio to defend himself mm-hmm. as, a, as, as a cleric for the Christian church and uh-huh. as a bishop. So he may have been fictionalizing this a little bit, you know, to make himself sound better yeah. than, than oh, he was. Mr. Patrick. <laughs> yeah. And so um, Dr. Roy Flechner, who is probably right now the foremost expert on, on St. Patrick, uh-huh. um, he says that that traditional story that I just told you is probably mostly a fiction. Ah, But it's a good story. It is a good story. I still want to know a sin, but yes, it's yeah, a good now, story. Uh, Dr. Flechner says maybe it was something to do with money because oh. some, there was some accusation that he kind of, Patrick, bought his way into the bishopric of Armagh. Uh-huh. But he says he didn't, and, you know. Uh, we'll never know. Right? Okay. We'll never know. We will never know. Okay. So, okay. That's yeah, a, right? Well, yeah. That's not even what, I don't even know what I thought, but that wasn't it. <laughs> so so tell me, why is it March 17th? What's the significance of that date? Well, this that, date. yeah, March 17th is the traditional death date. For oh, St. Patrick. I gotcha. So that's why we celebrate his feast day on March 17th. Aha. Uh-huh. One of the things that I think makes Patrick particularly interesting in terms of Irish saints who mm-hmm. are interesting as a whole in their own right um, is that his feast day is actually not associated with a pre Christian holy day. Like, for example, St. Bridget who just got her feast day declared a national holiday, uh-huh. is um, her day is February 1st. Okay. That coincides with the pre-Christian holiday in bulk, which is a, a celebration of spring. Mm-hmm. Patrick's doesn't coincide with any of the pre-Christian holidays. Mm-mm. But what does coincide is a big, big pilgrimage that happens every year in Ireland at a place called Crow Patrick. which is a mountain that claims to be the place um, from which Patrick banished the snakes. Oh, yes, the snakes, the snakes. Right, we all know about the snakes. Right. Okay, I got a funny story about that, too. Okay, good. Crow Patrick's pilgrimage takes place on the last three days in July. That coincides with a pre-Christian holiday called Lunasa, which is a celebration of the harvest and the end of summer. Sure. Um, the location of Crow Patrick has been a celebratory site for this particular holiday for thousands of years. Okay, So he's got this interesting relationship, I feel like, with mm-hmm. the pre-Christian calendar that's, yeah. that's a little more complex than, than some of the other saints. Um, but yeah, the snakes. Yeah, um, tell us about the snakes. So now that mountain is snake-free. Oh, well, yes. And, but, because you know, he drove them out. Because he drove them all out. But here's the funny thing. And I learned this just a, a few years ago, actually. There is literally no fossil record of snakes ever having been in Ireland. Uh, uh, uh. Wow. He was a storyteller, wasn't he? This yeah. Guy? So, you know, 
I don't know who started that idea that he drove all the snakes out. But, but how smart. Because if right? there's no snakes, he could say, I drove them out. I took care of it. We are snake-free Ireland. Yes. Huh. And it has nothing to do with your natural environment that you've never had snakes. Right. Yeah. Okay, I'm picking up what you're laying down here about this dude. Right? Okay. I love Patrick. Because <laughs> um, he's, he's canny. Yeah. So how, what does the shamrock have to do with all this? Did he have anything to do with that? Well, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a theme, actually, uh-huh. Patrick. Yes and no. Yeah. The shamrock with its three leaves, mm-hmm. right, connected. The story is that Patrick used that as a way to evangelize a pagan king named Lara. Mm. And Lara was having trouble wrapping his mind around the Christian concept of a God that's three in one. Okay, right? Sure. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yep. you know, but also one God. And so... Patrick bent down and picked up a shamrock and said, it's just like this. Uh-huh. You've got the three leaves joined together. Okay. And so you've got the three in the one. Um, okay. But again, not in his confessio and his autobiography. <laughs> it's hinted at in one of his saints' lives that, you know, this is how this happened. But right. it's, this is a place where folklore and folk tradition just went in and took off. Yeah, it did. Um, kind of like the snakes. Yeah. You know, the snakes are also useful as a way to think about Patrick driving out the pagans. Uh-huh. So you can use yes. it as a metaphor as well. Okay, Patrick. Yep, yep. Oh, this guy is interesting, isn't he? Super interesting. Now, yeah. what about the green? Because I we both have green on today. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, I did it on purpose. But, so did I. <laughs> but what's that about? I mean, because I don't I don't know. I, I know. I know. So, green, origin, originally, Patrick's color was a sort of in, intense light blue. Um, and that's according to sort of heraldry. You okay. Know, it was this azul something or other. Um, it shifted to green in the 1640s. Okay. Because that's when the Irish Catholic Federation... Mm-hmm. Um, adopted green as its color. Okay. Right? So today, right, the Irish flag has got three colors, green and white and orange. Right. Green is for the Catholics. Mm -hmm. Orange is for the Protestants. Oh. And the center stripe of white is the hope of peace between the two. Ah. Okay. Look at that. Um, In the 1700s, green as a color of Irishness became even more solidified because of the rising uh, cause of nationalism. Mm, and the drive yep. for independence mm-hmm. that was happening in the 18th century. Sure. Um, so it became associated with the United Irishmen who launched an unsuccessful uh, attempt to gain independence in 1798. And since then, green has been the color for Ireland. And yeah. since Patrick is the patron saint, mm-hmm. it becomes his color as well. Okay. Wow. wow. This is so interesting. So. Over here, again, in America, it's drinking, it's the day off. We had a parade last weekend. Mm -hmm. So over there, they now have the pubs open. Yep. Is it a free-for-all like it is over here, though? Pretty much. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, The the one thing that I found the the couple of times that I was in Dublin for St. Patrick's Day, um, first of all, make sure you've done everything you need to do the day before because the city literally shuts down. Okay. (laughs) Except for the pubs. (laughs) Right. Um, the parade is huge and really interesting because yeah. they have a lot of, you know, not just the sort of Irish dancing groups and, and marching bands and bagpipes and you know, all mm-hmm. that, 
but performing groups oh, will cool. put together some really interesting performance art pieces. Cool. Yeah. I like that, that. And they have a tendency to bring in not only the the Christian aspect of Patrick, mm-hmm. but this sort of folktale mythological aspect of him as well. Right. So they're, they can be really just wonderful parades. So – has, there was, was the parade always a part of celebrating this over in Ireland, or was this something we did and then they picked it up? Or Yeah, it's something we did and then they picked it up. <laughs> I was going to say, parades are kind of an American thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, they so are. So how soon did they incorporate that into their well, celebration? It became an official holiday, mm-hmm. public holiday, in Ireland in 1903. Oh, geez. Yeah, so pretty late. Yeah. Um, the first St. Patrick's Day parade was held in the Irish Free State in 1931 in Dublin. Okay. In 1931. Jeez. But in the United States, Uh the very first that we have a record of uh, celebration of St. Patrick's Day was done by the Charitable Irish Society of Boston, and they organized a little celebration in the 13 colonies in 1737. Whoa. Yeah. That's amazing. Then um, in uh, 1762, we had the first sort of St. Patrick's Day parade in Mm -hmm. New York. Okay. And that was organized by a bunch of homesick Irish expats Mm -hmm. and Irish soldiers serving in the British Army. Got it. They used it as a celebration not only for a parade, but also of Irish heritage and Irish language and song and culture, which is particularly um, daring. Oh. Because at this time in in Britain, Mm -hmm. the penal laws in Ireland were in force. And that meant in Ireland, you couldn't go to mass. It was illegal. You couldn't speak Irish. It was illegal. You couldn't be educated if you were Irish. It was illegal. And these were things that had been put in place back in the 17th century. Um, So for these Irish folks in the British Army to be celebrating St. Patrick's Day and their Irishness is pretty brave. Yeah, it was. Um, So then in 1780, Mm -hmm. George Washington decided that um, he gave all the soldiers of Irish descent under his command the day off on St. Patrick's Day well, so they could nice. go off and celebrate right. and do their Irish stuff. And he did that explicitly. He's quoted as saying this, an act of solidarity with the Irish in their fight for independence. Uh-huh. So it became, George uh-huh. Washington made it an overtly political celebration. Was he Irish? No, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. Well, that was nice. But he was all about independence. Right. And so we were very sympathetic with the Irish cause to to get independent from Britain. Wow. So this has been going on. We've been partying down here since the 1700s. Pretty much, yeah. I had no clue. Yeah. So I read that in 1952, the Irish ambassador to the U.S., they sent a box of shamrocks to President Truman. Does this still happen? It does. It does? It does. Oh, I love it. Yeah. um, Leo Varadkar, who is the current um, Taoiseach, or Uh Prime Minister of Ireland, uh, is actually having lunch with uh, President Uh, Biden, uh, and he brought over a Waterford crystal bowl of shamrocks. Oh, that's so cool. The only time the People didn't come, mm-hmm. but they still sent the shamrocks. Yeah, was of course during COVID, during the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> they still got the they shamrocks. still got the shamrocks. Oh, yeah. I love that. That is cool tradition. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So St. Patrick, he's kind of a... He's an interesting fella. Mm-hmm. What else don't we know about him over here in America? Because we don't right. know a lot, I don't no, think. No, no. Uh, one of the things I really love about Patrick, like I said, is that space that opened up and that we don't know much about yeah. him actually. So it's, it becomes a free-for-all. Right. And he can become whatever we want him to be. Mm-hmm. So there are many, many very localized folk traditions about Patrick and there's a, a, a very, well, famous for me, because I'm in medieval Irish studies, but it's called Ockelum Neshanarach. Okay. And that translates as Tales of the Elders of Ireland. Oh, that and sounds good. It's very good. In it, Patrick meets up with a pre-Christian hero of the, the uh, Fiona. Mm-hmm. He's the son of Finn McCool, Oshin. And he's, Oshin's all sad because all of the great heroes of pagan Ireland are gone, oh. except for him. Uh-huh. And he runs into Patrick, and Patrick is there with his scribe, and and, um, Patrick says, you know what? Tell me your stories. Tell me your pre-Christian saga tales. Mm -hmm. And so Oshin tells a whole series of stories, mostly their place names, how place names became, came to be called what they are. And at the beginning, Patrick is a little like, I don't know if I should be listening to this. I mean, this guy's not Christian. Um, And is it okay for me to write down these tales? Yeah. And... Two guardian angels come to him and say, yeah, not only is it okay for you to do this, you need to do this. It's important that we preserve these tales from before Ireland was Christianized. And then one of my – a couple of my favorite stories came – were told to me by this gentleman, Patty Winters, a few years ago. And he was the local keeper of the stories about St. Patrick in this place called Down Patrick Head. Uh Not the one in in, uh, Northern Ireland, but the one in North County Mayo in the Republic. And he told me a story about Patrick um, before he was a saint. Oh. And Patrick got uh, really angry at a a pagan king named Kromdov who lived in the area because Kromdov kept lighting all these fires on what were uh, Christian feast days, and Patrick would would dash up to him and say, "You got to put that fire out." Uh-huh. He's on this this peninsula that's just this beautiful peninsula, and Patrick says, "Chrome, you got to put that fire out." And Chrome Dove says, "No, I'm you know I'm lighting my fire. You know you can. You're the newcomer. Get out of here." Right. So Patrick gets really mad, and Patty Winters told me, "You know he wasn't a saint yet." Oh. <laughs> so Patrick gets mad, and he stabs his crozier, you know, his staff on mm-hmm. the ground and sends Kromdov and his fire through this hole into the sea Whoa. where the fire is extinguished. Yikes. Right? Uh-huh. And Patrick walks away thinking, okay, took care of that. Yep. Well, Kromdov survives. Oh, boy. So <laughs> he goes back out to the peninsula and he lights another fire. And Patrick says, dude, I was just here and told you not to do this. <laughs> And Chrome Dove says, too bad, I'm going to do it. Oh, jeez. So Patrick, because he wasn't a saint yet, mm-hmm. gets angry again. And instead of creating a hole in the landscape, he breaks off the very end of the peninsula oh. so that Chrome Dove can't get back to the mainland. Uh-huh. And he's stuck out on this thing that's called Dunbrishta, which means broken fort in uh-huh. Irish. Uh-huh. And it's a, what's a, it's a stack. A geological formation off the northern coast. Whoa. And this is how that stack came to be. Interesting. Yeah. Look at him. I know. He's because everywhere. he wasn't a saint yet. Yes, that's right. Man, I just want to know his sins. But okay. 
so so he did that before he was a saint, and then yes. he got his act together. I, in theory. In the, we think. <laughs> we we're not think, really sure yeah. about this guy. Yeah. Okay. So I have to ask really quickly, because I forgot to ask earlier, what is it with leprechauns? Does that have anything really uh, to do with? Well, y- y- yes and no. Um, leprechauns, now the wearing of green, it is like the World Herald told us. You know, yes. It's to, it's to sort of keep you disguised yes. so that they can't interfere with you. Um but the notion of the fairy folk, right, mm-hmm. the leprechauns, being active around a feast day, uh-huh. that's actually one of those places where I think the because St. Patrick's Day is not associated literally with right. a piece of the, the pre-Christian calendar, mm-hmm. they're allowing traditions associated with those pre-Christian feast days to Got come it. into St. Patrick's Day. Got it. Okay. So the fairy folk are more active. The leprechauns are more active, and they can either – bring you to a pot of gold, or they can lead you astray or pinch you. To, right. You know, yeah. Right. Okay. So since we have green on, Wait, nobody gets to pinch. But we could be led to a pot of gold before the day is over. Potentially, yes. Okay. Fingers crossed. Right. Okay. okay. So let me ask you this real quick about the way America celebrates it. Are we, are we, are we too much? Are we too? <laughs> I feel like we're too much. We're always too much. Wait, you're right. Um, <laughs> you're totally right. I think that... The way we celebrate it and bring attention to mm-hmm. this particular Im- immigrant group on this day, I think, is great. Yes. Um, I love that March is, you know, National Irish Immigration Month or whatever it's called. Yep. Um, do we probably drink too much? Yeah. yeah. Do we need to dye the Chicago River green? Um, really? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't I, know. I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I've never really ever, ever taken a day off in my life to celebrate no. March because I'm just like, well, I think I'm a pinch Irish, but I'm just like, no, not really. Yeah. But I do like that you said that it reminds us of the immigrants because I feel like America has forgotten where we all came from and that is not from here. Nope. So it's nice that you brought that up. And I hope that people remember that, that this is a melting pot, folks. Yeah. There's so much history, right? Yep. It's true. Yeah. It's so true. you have a... Big event coming up on the weekend. Yes. So tell us about it. Well, this is um, the Omaha Irish Cultural Center Mm. in conjunction with the Republic of Ireland. So they know about this event as well. I know. Wow. Um, We are celebrating Irish culture and heritage uh, on Sunday, March 19th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Benson Theater. Cool. Um, It is a benefit to the Omaha Irish Cultural Center because we're looking to build a building to to house it. Yeah. Um, Actually, in Omaha, the Irish were the third largest immigrant group in the late 19th and and early 20th centuries. Really? Yeah. The third? The third largest. Who were the other two? You know, I don't know. Probably the Germans, maybe? I don't know. The Czech? I don't know. Polish? I don't know. I don't know. We do have a wide smattering of folks here in the middle yeah. of the universe, don't we? Yeah. But third, that's so the interesting. third largest group, yeah. Huh. Oh, I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> I can tell when you drive around Omaha today. We have a lot of Irish people and a lot of those that want to be. Yes. But the party continues on Sunday. Yes. Yeah. So um, contact the Benson Theater at 402-991-4333 to get your tickets. Now, it looks like you've got some really fun stuff there. you got we music. Do. you got dance. I yep. see Jill Anderson, who I love, is going to be singing. Voice of an angel. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No yeah. kidding. And so let's see. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, and, and I'm going to tell some more stories and and Yay! read some poetry. Not my own. 
other people's. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And so this is Sunday, Benson Theater, March 19th, 1 to 4 p.m. And it's a benefit, so it's $25, but it's $25 well spent. I mean, you get to hang out and party down with Irish folks and do fun things. Yeah. Right? It should be a really exciting event. Okay, so that's Sunday, Benson Theater, if you want to continue on with the St. Patrick's Day celebrations. We have just a few minutes left. Is there any other stories you want to share with us about this crazy guy? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, now I'm all like, hmm. I know. Now I'm trying to decide. I only, And now I'm going to use up my time thinking about this. You know what? Let's talk about, uh, actually, in the U.S., uh-huh. they have, I, I just recently read this, there are 31.5 million Irish immigrants wow. um, or people who identify as having Irish heritage in the United States. That's of the latest census. Okay. Now, here's the weird part. We are second only to, can you guess which country? Ireland. No. <laughs> it's random. Germany. What? I know. Why are there more Irish immigrants in Germany? I haven't the foggiest idea, but I thought that's so strange. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder, has that always been like that? It's always been like that. That is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I can actually also teach you how to say Happy St. Patrick's Day in Irish, if yes, you please. like. Yes, please. Yes, please. Okay. Okay. So the whole phrase is Law Ella Padrig Hona Dutch. Oh, boy. I know. And that is Happy St. Patrick's Day. Okay. So we'll do it one word at a time. Okay. Law. Law. Ella. Ella. Padrig, Padrig, Sona, Sona, Dutch, Dutch. Now that's to one person. Okay. If you want to say Happy St. Patrick's Day to a lot of people, uh huh, you have to say Law, Law, Ella, Ella, Padrig, Padrig, Sona, Sona, Dweve, Dweve. Yes. <laughs> Look at that. Gohamwa. Very oh my good. Gosh. Thank you. <laughs> I probably will never be able to repeat that again, but thank you. You're very welcome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We learned a lot. And I now know that this guy is a little sketch, but awesome. Yeah. Sketchy, but awesome. But awesome. And really light blue, but still wear the green. So maybe you get that pot of gold. Yeah. Right. Well, thank <laughs> you for joining us, Dr. Lisa, Be- Lisa Beth Bouchelt. I- You've been listening to Community Conversations on Radio Talking Book. It's the interview program that brings you voices from the Omaha community. The Radio Talking Book Network is brought to you with the cooperation of KIOS-FM in Omaha and statewide through the facilities of NET Radio and Television. We've been proudly serving our blind and visually impaired listeners for 46 years. Thank you for being a loyal Radio Talking Book listener and supporter.